Turn me up. Can I just tell you this? Let me tell you that. Darnell, turn me up. Turn me up. You <laughs> have just made my entire fucking day. Yeah. You really have. Well, that was the whole interview. We're done. We finished. Oh. We should have just recorded all of that right there. Come on and give him praise. Give him praise. Um, no, serious. Thank you so much for being on. Oh, you're welcome. This. Thank you for having me. And thank you guys for sending like all this amazing techie. Uh, girl, <laughs> they got me, honey. I'm going to get me a hidden figures job, okay? I am Darnell Moore, and this is Being Seen, an in-depth exploration of culture's role in resolving the tensions between how we are seen and how we see ourselves. Focused on the gay and queer Black male experience, Being Seen is a space to explore culture with leading artists, writers, activists, and entertainers. If we create nuanced and accurate cultural portrayals of identity and experience, we have an opportunity to reduce stigma and change perception impacting everything from HIV to institutional inequity. I remember when I was young, I was an inquisitive, dreaming, imaginative, nerdy, quirky, dancing, worried Aquarius. (laughs) And... As much as I was present in my youthfulness, I played big bikes and big wheels and had socks up to my knees and played house and school and danced and did all the things, played with G.I. Joe um, figurines and also sometimes played with my sister's Barbie dolls. I was also dreaming of my future. So a big part of my childhood was spent living into or dreaming into the future that I had not yet possessed. And I guess there's a burden, right? For, for many of us who grow up Black and queer, in my world, I was Black and queer and working poor, living in a predominantly working poor city with little access to resources. The burden is that so many of us are, are, are working in our imagination to become the adult <laughs> who is freed from a lot of the constraints that we're in. Shangela slash DJ Pierce, singer, activist, actor, and world-famous drag queen. Tell me about a young Shangela. How would you describe your youth? Busy. Busy, (laughs) busy, busy. You know, I grew up in the house for a large part of my life, for about seven years of my life, in the house with my grandparents. My mom was in the military, and she was moving around a lot. She lived in Fort Hood, Colleen, and I was with her. Then we'd have to move. You know, she'd get restationed somewhere else. And so in order for my school life to be stable, everyone decided it was better for me to live with my grandparents until later on. So um, in the house with my grandparents, and you grow up with older people, I was the only child. So it's not always super exciting in the house. You know, I loved getting out of the house. And so I involved myself in so much as as soon as I could with extracurricular activities in school. I was like, oh, y'all got a debate team? I'm in it. Oh, cheerleading? Watch me sign up. Oh, (laughs) y'all got a a student council? What time y'all meet? Okay, I'm there. And I just wanted to be involved with people my age outside the house. Now, at home, it was also busy because my grandmother was all about going to church. We were at St. John Baptist Church, honey, on Sunday, (laughs) Sunday afternoon. We were there on Tuesday for Bible study and Wednesday for choir practice. So I was busy. 
And I think that's what I've carried with me my entire life is being involved, being engaged, wanting to be a part of not only my community, but every community, mm. because I love people and being around people and the excitement of moving. And uh, I guess that's one way to describe my childhood. As gay, queer, bi, and trans Black men, we can exist through many versions of youth. There is our coming of age as youth, but there is also the youth of first love, first acceptance. Youth as a beginning to embrace and accept love for another man and love for oneself. That beginning may come when you are young, or it might come much later. Keenan Lonsdale, actor, dancer, singer-songwriter, and warrior. I read this quote on Instagram by Ivan Nuru. He said, to the black boy in love with another black boy, be patient with yourself, be patient with him. They don't teach this kind of love. And that's essentially it. It's like, you know, I just, I, I want to showcase what our love is like because we're in that journey. We, we never get to see it, see it reflected. And it's really such an exciting opportunity to, to see how that plays out as long as, you know, the stories are told as much through our voice as we can. It's funny as you're talking, I'm thinking about the reality that as I grew up, I did not see any stories that hinted at the way I loved, the way I felt. What does it do to it, to, to young people who grow up without having access to examples or windows in which they can see their lives. I was talking to someone, um, to Shandala on the show. We were interviewing Shandala, and they said something like, even at maybe 19 or 20, they were still, they were they, in, their, in their mid-20s, they were still gay young. And I thought that that was so funny because I'm like, I guess I was gay young too in my 20s, right? I was just really knowing what, coming into what it meant to be in relationship with a person, with another man. With another man. I knew nothing about that. Like, That's you how know, I, I learned now. it later. Gay <laughs> <laughs> young. As we come of age, as we emerge in communities across the United States, we want to mark that we exist, that we are here, that we are living, and that what we are becoming will be shared, that we can see reflections of ourselves and our families and in our communities, that our full selves are acknowledged. Oh, you and you know, one time at one point I was the choir director. Me too. Then the piano player had left and they said, Well, you know how to play. Well, I only knew Lean on Me. And I made three <laughs> songs out of those chords for Lean on Me. <laughs> and the pastor would say, Y'all get DJ to go play the uh, piano because he makes helps the spirit move around. I was like, All right, lean on me. That's what they were getting during the sermon. Not. Lean on me. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. I'm cracking up. <laughs> It feels like one of the key takeaways from your show, We're Here, is that communities are one of the most powerful drivers of change. And that includes, like, communities from towns across America. Somebody like yourself who's lived in a lot of places, I imagine that would be true. All From towns across America where young gay and queer Black men are growing up right now, what do these young people need from their communities? And what can their communities provide them? Oh, that's a really good question. You know... Through the show, we're here. 
we've been able to experience so many different communities. And that's only with one season of the show. You know, we had six episodes in the first season. We went to six different cities and we had so many amazing and challenging and eye-opening experiences in all of these cities. And what it taught me was that most of the people that we connect with, whether they have this amazing and, you know, something identifiable uh, queer story or a queer adjacent story. It's my son, my daughter, my brother, my sister. One thing I think they need is, or they desire, is validation through visibility. And that means, you know, wanting to see other people like them in their community so they don't feel all alone. That's Mm -hmm. a, a common theme that we run across when people, you know want to be a part of our show and experience or when we get to meet them is they say, you know, I just felt like I was the only one like me here. And I know that experience. I grew up in a small town. I'm originally from a small town, Paris, not France, Texas. <laughs> and growing up in a small town like Paris, Texas, you know, if there are not a lot of out loud and out loud and proud gay people, mm-hmm. when you don't see that in your community a lot. Now, it's different now. But when I was a child, okay, this is oh, so many moons, not many moons, <laughs> not that many moons, but moons ago. And, you know, I didn't see a lot of people like me, not in school, not in church, not, not, the out, not that we're out loud and proud about it. Yeah. So I felt like maybe I'm the only one to like me around here. Maybe I am wrong for the way that I am. Maybe, you know, the messages I was getting in church where it was a sin and I was going to hell for the feelings that I was having. And so I just, and and occasionally I would see other people being talked about or persecuted, you know, for being who they were. And I thought, wow, it must be wrong because I didn't see any positive images of gay people in my community. So I think in these communities that we go to, the visibility is so important. Speaking of visibility, in 2018, the movie Love, Simon was released. A queer coming-of-age romance, it was the first to be released nationally in movie theaters across the country. For many, that was the first time they saw queer love that way, on that big public stage. For Keenan, it was the first time seeing it, and it was the first time he watched himself play a queer character on screen. There aren't many who can claim that kind of first, to see the thing and also inhabit it to understand both first and second hand what it is to be visible and to be represented, young and in love. I was, I remember watching the screening for the first time. And of course, like any project you do, you have all the butterflies and the nerves and you're unsure if it is going to look like what it felt like when you made it, if the good parts are going to be great or if the bad parts you remember, you know, not feeling great while performing in are going to, you know, still work or not. As soon as the movie started, I remember I just felt so comfortable and um, locked in, like I had found a kind of sense of home. And then it wasn't until watching it and seeing that final scene with the Ferris wheel and the love story I was looking at myself and I was just tripping out, honestly, tripping out because I'm like, my whole life I, <laughs> I've i said I have to keep this secret because I'll never be able to follow this other passion and this, this dream of mine to be the performer I know I'm supposed to be and tell stories and people won't accept me for that. And there I am watching all of that 
crumble in a way while it's flourishing in another and going, not only is it possible, but you're watching yourself in this moment. And it changed my life. It made me understand that my life wasn't going to be the same and that I realized how much I had needed it and just how much other people would 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 need to see that reflected back. And it made me, it helped me believe to listen to the voice of love, loving myself and, and trusting that because I find myself constantly, especially when I go into different jobs and take on roles and, and you know, people are looking for representation at these points, but I can often feel like, oh, okay, I'm the first that they've had stepping into this space and it's scary, it's frightening and there's a lot of pressure. But it's also fun. <laughs> but I just try to remember to lead with love, give myself some grace because we are taking on a bunch of firsts at the moment. And just doing, doing what we can to navigate it so that the people that come after this next generation are not able to just have a, an easier, safer, more comfortable, uh, more beautiful time, but they're going to be going through a new first. It's a relay race. You know, so it's just really about paving the way so that, that they can focus on the strength that they've got to, to then push through the next. But yeah, that moment for me was crazy. I, I, I bore my eyes, I was speechless, and, I, and it made me reflect on my entire life and what I believed could and couldn't be done. The pressures that we place on our youth to get it right, to understand us, to understand themselves, the expectations, the judgments, and so much more. Yes, their struggles are not our struggles, but they face them all the same. What it is to be young now isn't to be exaggerated or diminished, but rather experienced, one that we seek to learn from and support. Kaylin Allen, creator, writer, and actor. So I think when it comes to younger people, specifically within the community, I think because we primarily grew up after, you know, the height of the AIDS epidemic and all that, I think there's a a, a sort of a understanding that we don't really know the struggle, you know, or that we had a lot more liberties and freedoms than other people, which is absolutely true. We absolutely did. But I still think that there is... It's not like homophobia was just like it just disappeared. You know, we it still exists in many different forms of our lives, whether that being family or in the workplace or, you know, or in work or something like that. You know, so we're still navigating those different spaces. And just because the struggle looks different does not mean that the struggle is not the same. Part of supporting youth and loving who they are starts with us loving who they are, helping them show up fully and embracing the parts of themselves that they love best. But also, it's by taking a stand in who they are. Yeah. And saying, you know, the things about me, there's a quote that one of the young ladies used in, I think, episode number two uh, in Twin Falls, Idaho. She said, everything about me has in some way in my life been used against me. And that really sat with me for a minute like wow when you look in the mirror and the things that you may love about yourself people out in the community have weaponized it 
and used it against you. And now you see those same things in the, in the mirror that you used to love about yourself and you don't love that anymore. So when you talk about, you know, showing up and showing your proof of existence, you know, marking your territory and saying that this is who I am, I'm here. It's about showing up and first showing up and loving every part of who you are. And when you love every part of who you are, then you're less ashamed to share those parts. See, when I was a kid, I loved, you know, playing in my mama's heels. Mom didn't have a lot of heels. Okay, she's Deborah loves sneakers and work boots. She didn't have a lot of heels. Okay. But the two pair that she did have, we had we were the same size. And I used to prance in those around the house. I would never have walked outside the house with a pair of pumps on because of the negative connotation and the the way that I knew that it'd be looked at as a boy in heels. I, I had shame about it because I was like, that's not, you know, the messages that I've been taught and the things that I'd seen, it wasn't right. It was gonna be made fun of. And so I didn't have confidence in it. I loved the look. I loved it. I loved my strut. <laughs> but I didn't feel comfortable going out in that way. And now, obviously, honey, put on six inch, four, 12, whatever. I'm going to work it. But that being said, you know, I didn't have a lot of confidence in it. And I think that's what we're able to do with this show is inspire them the confidence to say, I love who I am. I love these things about myself. I want to go out there and I want to share them with the world, you know, unashamedly. And and that's how I'm going to mark my existence here. Marking our existence in all the ways we can, whether that be through our experiences, our art, our love, and the way we find community in our stories. It starts with young love, but our stories need to continue to grow and involve with and beyond us as we grow. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, that movie can feel like a fairy tale, and I've definitely experienced that fairy tale kind of love. And it was quite the roller coaster. And as I grow up, I, I, it then becomes, you know, you realize the movie doesn't just end there, it keeps going, and then you have new challenges and <laughs> heartbreaks. And, you know, there's, there's such a healing, such a healing that goes on. And that's why it's important that we continue to tell these stories because just how that, you know, Love, Simon helped a lot of people, but it's like, you know, it's more than just coming out now. It's let's navigate, yes, relationships, let's navigate fatherhood, work, you know. <laughs> it's pretty wild. And, and that's, what, that's what's exciting because it's like the world, the world will change with our stories. But in order for young people to change the world with their stories, they have to be supported. We have to fund their stories. We have to be able to make sure that they can access all the networks that they need to get their stories out. Oh, I mean, I think I live that on a daily basis. There are so many times that I watch, especially when it goes to like old shows or something like that. I'll watch it and I'll be like, now there ain't no reason why there's no diversity in this. I was like, now that person couldn't have been black, you know, or that person couldn't have been queer. Like, well, it wouldn't have made no difference, you know? And I think what's sad is that we live in this world of thinking that diversity makes content weaker or it makes it not able to be sold, you know? And I just think that is not 
true at all. I think that there is a market out there, but the problem is, is that we don't tap into that market and we don't provide enough funding and enough resources to be able to market to where those those networks are, you know? And I think what it becomes is like, well, how are you distributing the content and how are you making sure that it is getting to the audience that you want? If younger people have all of that, the support, the distribution, they can start to have the stories that they need for themselves. What type of stories do you want to, like, what stories do you see in your imagination? The first thing that comes to mind is that I want to see us as warriors. Uh, I want to see stories in which we're in full power. For me growing up, it was always like, you know, being called names if you're not fitting into being a certain kind of man. And that made me feel weak. It made me feel like my vulnerabilities were weak and my tendencies were weak. But I know that that's the strength. I think we carry beautifully the feminine and the masculine. And I just want to see stories that show a regular person who's embodying their strength and pushing past all of those limited beliefs that are external and very, very much internal. And what it is to be a warrior like anyone else. We see all these stories of, of these champions, of, of a hero's journey, and, and that's the one that I want to see. And I think what people are understanding slowly and they're hearing our, they're hearing our stories, but... I think people don't understand still all the extra added layers that that we have to go through as our own warriors in this life. The choices we make to support youth, to listen to them and to recognize the fullness of their experience is a way for us to speak back to our young selves, to acknowledge the lessons hard learned, to protect their joy and to make space for them to define their own struggles and their own desires for change. We are their community and they are ours. Youth is a beginning and embarking on something. And in this fight to be seen and to be recognized through our own words and stories, we all may find ourselves at different points in our lives, at some new beginning, some new learning, regardless of our age. To my younger self, I would say, the very parts of yourself that you were told to hate, your quirkiness, your magic, which was your queerness, your difference, the bigness of your nose, the wideness of your lips, the color of your skin, would be the things that would actually be the tools or the things you rely on to do your art making, to make people feel connected, to be in the world. So know that all along, the things that you may have been picked on for would be the things that you pick up to make meaning in the world. If you could speak back to the young version of you at 13 or 15 or 16 and give them a 60-second pitch inspiration, what would that be? This sounds like the RuPaul question from the finale, always, when she says, what would you say to your younger self? And we never really did that. So this is a good opportunity. (sighs) If I was looking back at 15, 16-year-old me, I would tell myself, hmm, 
It's really deep. You know, it's really deep because I see myself at that age. I know what questions I had and the things that I was struggling with in my life, you know. And I would say to myself, first of all, I would say, little DJ, relax. It's going to be okay. It all doesn't have to rest on your shoulders. You, do, you know, I was the firstborn in my family. I'm the oldest grandson. I'm the firstborn male. So I always felt like I'm going to take care of my grandparents. I'm going to take care of my mom. I want to pull us out of poverty. I want to help, you know, everyone around me. And that comes with a lot of responsibility. I felt a great amount of responsibility from a very young age. I would tell myself to just relax. It's going to be fine. Everyone's sustainability is not your responsibility, but do what you can. And also I would tell myself, enjoy every moment that you can and, and, and really love and really love who you are. There are, are going to be some bumps and hurdles and, you know, you're from the country, you trust everybody and you might not want to do that, but you will want to trust yourself and your instincts. Thank you. I'm so glad you trusted yourself and your Well, instincts. thank you. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sarah, anything you want to, any questions on your end before we end? I, I want to be respectful of your time. Yay. Well, thank y'all. I would hate to run. I have to go to the airport. We start filming. No, please go ahead. Uh, we're here tomorrow. So uh, I had a 6.30 p.m. flight, but they just canceled it. So I had to get on the 4.45 because you, as you can hear, there's some thunder and I bet it's... Yeah, please. Go ahead. Go ahead. Get out of here. Here we go. And thank you oh, again. Welcome. Thank you. Being Seen is produced by Harley and Company and Darnell Moore and created in partnership with Vive Healthcare. Theme music is provided by Moses Sumney.